0: Good, well if I can encourage you to um, find your seats and do you want to grab a a Bible there's a whole stack of them on the um, tables there, welcome to those of you watching online I'm going to be, the two readings, Genesis 2 and Acts 2, Um, but for those of us in the room Genesis 2, what page is that, it's fairly easy to find Genesis in the first book of the Bible, chapter 2, wherever that is. Um, so it'll be something like page four. And the other one is um, on page uh, 1033. Stick a finger in page 1033. And uh, we're on... Yeah, it is, page four. Good guess. Um, and just while you're finding those two, one, oh, three, three, and page four, um, uh, if I may, j- just one... Reflection on um, on the death of Her Majesty the Queen um, is actually how wonderful that we know from largely from her Christian message, uh, Christmas messages, that I think personal Christian faith lay deep in her. Insofar as any of us can kind of discern these things, um, and how wonderful that she was able to um, engage with much of the Jubilee celebrations. I know not all. Um, But, because I often will, others who take funeral services often reflect that people, you know, pour out these amazing tributes to the one person in the room who can't, no longer able to hear them or receive them. And the wonderful thing about the Jubilee was I think as a nation we could say, again, wonderfully articulated by then Prince Charles, um, thank you. Thank you so much for all you've done and for your years of service, 70 years of service. And, and to, for us to be confident to know that she received that, we know that she heard that. Um, and I think that is quite comforting and reassuring. Um, and it leads me just to the other thing: that theref- therefore, because you know, she was 96, had lived a good life, as far as we know, wasn't suffering towards the end of her life, like so many in, in old age. Um, so why might I be feeling sad? And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I've, I, you know when the news First broke, I, I shed a tear. I was, I found myself overcome with, a, with emotion, and uh, and Joe as well, uh, and I know a number of people. Um, why, you know, not necessarily an ardent monarchist. I, I mean, I think she's an amazing lady, royal family, monarchy, so on. But what is that? And I, I, I wonder. I offer this as a reflection that actually there has been a lot of tumult in our world. And in our nation, um, the pandemic, we we haven't formally ended COVID. And yet there's been a lot of grief and loss um, on on all sorts of different levels um, that we've maybe not been able fully to process. And and it it could be that someone who the Archbishop described as just so permanent that most of us can never remember a time when she just hasn't been there and, and amid all the change, at least the queen, as it were, subconsciously. So when the queen goes, it, in one sense, suddenly, um, it can just wobble us for a moment. And I think all I'd wonder, Will very sweetly said to me a, a little while ago, he said, Tim, be kind to yourself. And I, if I may, um, let, let's be kind to ourselves, not necessarily be, be, be surprised by um, emotion. And in these next few days, she lies in state and the funeral tomorrow week. You know, just to allow space for us to process and, and, and grieve and be sad, even if it isn't necessarily for the Queen, just for whatever it is that the Lord is, is doing in you. Um, that it's cathartic for us as a church, as a nation, as we move into the Carolinian era. Um, and a final little thing on that is just an era. You know, this is very much we're transitioning out of an era into a new era. And we have a um, central prayer meeting Tuesday week here in the church. I, I can of no more significant time to gather to pray. That's just one church of many churches in this, in this transitioning period Start of this week, the prime minister was Boris. Last week, start of the week, the prime minister was Boris Johnson, and the Queen was on the throne. And the end of the week, we've got Liz Truss and King Charles. There's quite a lot going on. Um, So we will pray Tuesday, Tuesday week. I think he's, um, isn't he? I think he's supreme governor. I think Jesus is the head of the church. Just, just in case he's watching, you may get a sort of flip. Am I the head of the church, (laughs) Your Majesty? Don't worry, you're just the supreme governor. Um, Jesus is the head. Um, Genesis chapter 1. Here I am. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. Then I'm going to go over into chapter 2. Uh, we're thinking, uh, just to frame this, um, we're thinking about how our, our value of embracing one another. Last week, encounter God. This week, embrace one another. God saw, verse 31 of chapter 1 of Genesis, God saw all that he'd made and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day, the completion of creation. Um, Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. A great line. Uh, And just over to Acts chapter 2. That's, if you like, creation and the start of re-creation, beginning in this world now. uh, This is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his ascension to heaven, the Pentecost, the pouring out of the Spirit, the birth of the church. And Luke describes in verse 42 that they, the early Christians, as they gathered together, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And we'll pause there. Devoting themselves to fellowship. Um, fellowship there, that is a, uh, it's shorthand for fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the, the word uh, koinonia, Greek word. It, it it carries this idea that it's it's more than just sort of a couple of mates meeting together. It, it's more than what we might call friendship on on a sort of sociological or, or or this level. It's it is it is it is the it is the embracing of one another that comes and is, is sort of you know, initiated as we as we become involved in the dance of the spirit. It is. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit that we experience one another, amongst one another. So I want to argue that that this this core value, um, last week we talked about encountering God, encountering the God who has encountered us in Jesus. Luke 15, that, the father's embrace of the lost son, the hug, your home, that encounter with God. it It leads to knowing ourselves to be embraced by God which inspires and enables us to embrace one another, which, so that we form, by embracing one another, we form the fellowship of believers, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, which I want to argue is, is unique amongst all our interrelationships. So as wonderful as it is that there there are sort of regulars at the the pub across the way or in the bridge club or at your gym or, uh, you know, when I sing with the faithful at Craven Cottage uh, and and we're united in that way and and there's, there's a bond, there's easy relationships that begin to form because we have certain things in common and yet they're on a different level, different plane, all of them, good as they are, they're on a different level to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit which is what uniquely Christians have worldwide um, because of what God has done through Christ by his spirit. So three headings we need this unique fellowship we discover this unique fellowship but we need to choose this unique fellowship so first of all we, we need this Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We need spiritual friendship. And, and there it is in, in Genesis. Uh, God creates human beings in his image. It is very good. And then we read fairly shortly afterwards, it's not good for Adam to be alone. And, and that bit, he, all the animals, lots of sentient beings uh, around him, living beings, and yet, and yet they don't satisfy the deepest longing in Adam it's not good for Adam to be alone now now notice Adam is not lonely i.e. cut off or isolated Adam always has the eternal God with him so he's not lonely but he is alone and sometimes we can read that and think oh there must be something must be something wrong with Adam then If if creation is good, but it's not good, that Adam is alone, something wrong with Adam. And this is quite crucial, I think, to understanding the fellowship that we form, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with one another as Christians. Adam's not alone because of his imperfection. Actually, it, it, it is his perfection that is the issue. Adam doesn't find true companionship with any other thing. Adam experiences his aloneness because he's not a a rock or a tree or a house or a suit. It's because he's a human being made in the image of God. He's made for relationship with another of the same kind another human being. The animals don't cut it. And in our and in modern day, when we, when we are tempted to feel lonely and, and indulge in a bit of retail therapy, get a nice new this or a nice new that, we get things and we surround ourselves with things and we get a little buzz, a little endorphine hit maybe from that. But it never lasts and only leads to a greater sense of isolation. Why? Because it isn't, it isn't a living being in the same way that Adam was there as we are we are created by God to connect with one another in friendship fellowship relationship so we need spiritual friendship secondly fellowship or friendship in the spirit is something that we discover if you like it's something that grows in us i was talking to someone the other day who's been in their life group for um, a few years now and the core one or two people have come and gone but the core of that group has been the same and it it's got if if i think if they were being honest it's got some unlikely people uh held together and when they first came together, it was, it was a little bit bumpy at times as everyone tried to sort of find their place in the group. But over time, what they have discovered is more and more of the love of God through Christ in that person and actually in them themselves. And it's rather like the spokes on a wheel as... as, as, as Jesus is the sort of hub at the centre. So where, whichever spoke, wherever you are from from the rim, you could be at quite opposite ends of the social, economic, I mean, every kind of other measure and metric. You could be poles apart. But if the, the focus is Jesus here, then as you focus on Jesus and, and grow towards Him, lo and behold, you 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 grow towards one another. God's love growing in each of us and uniting us so that spiritual fellowship is something that we, we discover. Cicero uh, argued this, that the essence of friendship is a common focus or goal. The essence of friendship is formed around a common purpose or, or goal. So the question then is not ultimately, do you love me? The question is, do you and I love the same truth or reality? Can you and I, even if we're, we, we, we're sort of apart or separated in, in some way or other way, but if we can focus on the same goal or purpose, then as we journey towards that purpose, spokes towards the hub, uh, towards the hub yeah. I discover more and more that unites me in you. That actually speaks, I think, quite telling it into our, our kind of um, you know, cancel culture. Because if, if we think that we are the center of everything, then, then there's little room for you to, to disagree or for us to, to, to discourse and, and to discover truth together through our difference. So, we, so, you know, you're different from me, so I cancel you. That's why we have these sort of silos and um, echo chambers on social media. We discount everyone who's different because we, we, we think that the, the, our, our essence and worth and value is contained within ourselves. But if we're made in the image of the God who holds us, and as we look to Him as revealed in Christ, then, then our spiritual friendship can develop even though we might be different in other ways. That's surely the point that Paul is making to the church in Corinth. Uh, in, he uses the analogy of the body. He says there's one body, that's the hub, but many parts, lots of spokes, but one body. And, and every spoke plays its part. If you, if you break a spoke on a bike, it's two weeks' time the bike ride, <laughs> and, 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 and a spoke goes, we'll have to stop <laughs> and do something about it. The wheel won't work. Every spoke plays its part so that the wheel is held in that tension and you cycle your way to Paris, croissants and all. And so it is di- different parts, but one focus. So that, so that I, I, don't try, I don't try and cancel you. In fact, what I'm trying to do is to encourage you to be who God has made you to be different from me. Unity, but diversity. And that, it seems to me, is what is, is so unique. One of the things that's so precious and unique about Christian fellowship, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, is that we're not trying to um, homogenise everyone into one group. It's the the implicit challenge for our church. I look out here, and pretty much every face—I'm sun shining my face, I can't exactly see—but I think pretty much every face is white. One one or two exceptions. Most of us, uh, most of you, are young. We're of a fairly similar socio-economic demographic. We, we if we're truly going to challenge ourselves to be the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we, we should be multicolored and multidiverse. And you know, that's there's, there's a challenge. I'll start with myself, well, I'm leading this community, <laughs> and all of us as well. Diversity and unity, because we discover spiritual fellowship growing in one another that allows for diversity because we recognize the spirit at work so we need fellowship we discover fellowship finally thirdly we we have to choose this fellowship It, it, it doesn't just happen we need to choose it pretty much every other kind of relationship sort of arises from external forces beyond our control um, forces of nature or um, socio political forces, the civilization, the government. Um, so, we, we, you don't get to choose the family that you were born into. You don't get to choose brothers and sisters. Sort of, you know, biological di- desires uh, manifest themselves through the birth of children and families. and You, you don't get to choose family ties. You, it doesn't matter how much you or I might want to um, drive our car on the street, if you, have a, if you own a car have access to one. Uh, you're, you're restrained by the highway code and by other road users. But you, none of you have to be here tonight. And none of you have to be part of this, this gathering that we call the, the church. You can, you, can, you can just walk away and leave. It's Entirely your choice that you're here. And what I want to do, which is wonderful, thank you. <laughs> But I, I, can't, I suppose I want to flip it and say, in light of what I've trying to be an argue, that the, the beauty and the uniqueness and the power of and the necessity of spiritual fellowship, of spiritual friendship, over and above every other kind of relationship, then why wouldn't you choose to press in? Why wouldn't you choose to lean in? They devoted themselves. It says to the believers, and we can see that it was a diverse company, Acts 2 here, uh, a a diverse community. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There were wealthy people, and there were people in desperate need. And so they worked hard to, to, to recognize, to form spiritual friendship and community. And God added to their number daily those who were being saved. I bet it wasn't easy for them. And it isn't always easy for us. I've been in groups where I found some people uh, on, a, on, on, on one level, on a natural level, have, have kind of wound me up. I find that, and sometimes I think, oh golly, I've got to have that meeting with that person. Over time, I've realized that actually other people have been feeling exactly the same way about me and yet have committed, have chosen to meet in a setting with me. And together, I can think of one person in particular. I saw them the other day. They they don't um, come here to this church um, anymore for for sort of family reason. But I found this person really quite difficult when when I was with them. Uh, and I remember once, it was when we had the, when it was the old kitchen, before we referred the church, and we had a little, it's sort of where the fridges are out there, that was, basically we had a sink and a microwave, and that was what we called the kitchen. Um, and we were kind of washing up together. And I was with this person, and um, maybe it was that we were both, it was the end of a, a day, and everyone else had gone, and we were kind of washing up, whatever the, the event had been. And we were both, I think both of us thinking, oh, you know, i rather be somewhere else. <laughs> and so maybe it was in that sort of element of, of sacrifice and service that we, we mutually, without expressing it, we mutually sort of recognized, here we are at the end of the day, everyone else has gone, and we're clearing up after them. And so I, I could feel something warming in me to this person. I, and I, I sort of discovered as I reflected on it, wow, I am actually, thank you, Lord, you are, you are teaching me how to love this person. In a way that I don't think any other context, the pub or the bridge club or the gym or whatever, I'm not not sure I would have been put into that context where I would have had to choose to be with this person and then discover that God is growing us close together. So I can genuinely say, genuinely say, I love that person in the Lord. Still find them a bit difficult. I'm sure they find me difficult. That seems to me the beauty of it. That there's something beautiful and unique that emerges out of our Christian fellowship. So embrace one another. We need to. You'll discover God growing in you and in others when we choose to embrace, and that's why we need, thirdly, to choose to embrace one another. That's why we have life groups. Um, let me just say that, that I, I'm conscious at the moment that life groups are in a little bit of a, a flux. Some are coming to a natural end. Others, we're looking to sort of form um, up. Some are emerging out of the, the new 10, or the, it's the same service, but now at 10. Uh, and we're looking to um, sort of reform. Some of you have been in groups that are, are just now ending. We want to reform some into new groups. So there's a sort of state of flux. of so bear with us as we work as hard as we can to identify leaders, people who will facilitate and host groups so that exactly this, you can practice uh, and experience embracing one another. So life groups uh, in the, the main, the plane, week by week. But then every now and then there are one-off events uh, when we can, in a, in, a, in a wonderful and luxurious and concentrated way, uh, embrace one another. And I'm going to invite Laura and I think she's going to then invite Tash to come and just say a little bit more about The Weekend Away as an opportunity to embrace one another.